0: Turn to John chapter eighteen. John chapter eighteen. <clears throat> we're gonna. Uh, we've been in John chapter eighteen, and we're kind of not uh, really hitting verse by verse uh, quite. Uh, we're hitting section by section, and we're going kind of back and forth here. Uh, most likely next uh, week we'll kind of uh, still be in John 18, even though we're going to cover the, uh, the, towards the end of the chapter here. But let's look at verse 28. This is the, uh, uh, passage that, uh, uh, talks about the trial, uh, talks a little bit about, uh, oh, this is after Peter denied the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, talks about the trial of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're looking at the hour has come, and we're talking about the truth tonight. Uh, We saw a little bit of that this morning in talking about suffering, but uh, tonight we're looking at the truth. Uh, We've looked at the betrayal, the denial, the suffering, uh, now the truth. Notice beginning in verse 28, Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas into the hall of judgment, and it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but they that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we uh, would not have delivered him up unto thee, then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him, judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to be uh, to put any man to death. By the way, it's it's interesting here that they say that. But then remember, this morning we talked about a whole list of things that were illegal, that were not lawful. But here they want to they're gonna pay attention to the law, but they're not paying attention to the law because they're gonna break the law uh, e- even uh, uh, later. But then they go on to say in verse. Um, 32, uh, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, sayest thou this the, a thing of thyself, or did others tell thee of, of me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Thine own nation and chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, art thou a king then? Jesus answered, thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world that I may bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. All right, we have... uh, Looked at portions of this already, but tonight we want to again look at this passage and see how it records uh, some of the last intimate personal conversation that Jesus had with another individual before he was crucified. In this exchange between the Lord Jesus Christ and the Roman governor by the name of Pontius Pilate, uh, we see two men with opposing agendas. Uh, Pilate comes across as one who's agitated, having been placed in the middle of what he sees as a just a re- religious dispute between the Jews, and so you can kind of sense his sarcasm and his short answers, and it reveals to us his irritation. Uh, Jesus, on the other hand, uses this conversation to re- review his reveal his true identity. Uh, to Pilate. And when he's asked if he was really the king of the Jews, Jesus pulls no punches, but answers in the affirmative there in verse 37. But then Jesus tells Pilate about his mission in coming to this world. It was of going to the cross and dying to bear witness of or to the truth. And at this point, Pilate asked him a question kind of really out of pure cynicism. Uh, And he asked Jesus, well, what is truth? What is truth? It's a rhetorical question, and Pilate didn't really want an answer. You know how sometimes people ask you questions, they really don't want an answer, but they're just kind of asking the question because they're irritated, and uh, and that's what Pilate is. He's irritated here at this whole situation. He really didn't want to answer, but in essence, he was telling Jesus, what is true for you may not be true for you. I don't know that he'd ever heard uh, the saying, you say tomato, I say tomato. You know, (laughs) uh, that's kind of what he was doing. He didn't really want to want to know what the truth was. He said, don't talk to me about truth, for truth cannot really, because it can't really be known. People say that today. You can't really know truth. Uh, People will say there is no absolute truth. There are no absolutes. Uh, Many, many people today are living on uh, just relativism. You know, whatever's truth to you, that's truth. Whatever's truth to you, that's truth. So here we find Pilate throwing away a glorious opportunity to come to know the truth for himself. He looked truth in the face. He refused to see it. He walked away, and he's forever lost in his sins. We don't have any record that he ever got saved. But most likely he died and went to hell. I would like to take his question this evening and just think about this for a few minutes. I believe the Bible gives us enough information about truth so we can answer the question even ourselves. If somebody asks you, what is truth? Can you answer that question? Uh, In fact, you know I'll take some text here that I will use to examine truth from just the book of John. You know, there are 222 verses in the Bible that contain the word truth. 22 or 10% are found in the gospel according to John. What is truth? Well, let's look at this book and find out what it is. Notice, first of all, the perception of of truth, the perception. Again, verse 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, art thou a king then? And Jesus answered, thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, for this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Pilate's question kind of leads us to believe that he really had no grasp of the truth. Uh, Perhaps he was thinking, uh, his thinking was kind of, Uh, perverted or uh, uh, affected by the empty philosophies of that day, the empty thinking of that day, uh, that said truth was unknowable, it's unattainable, you can't really know truth. Uh, There were people back even in Pilate's day, Jesus' day, that were saying that. Evidently, Pilate had come to believe that, uh, uh, as many in his day believed, that there is no absolute truth. And we're in the same shape in America today. We're living in a day when almost no one believes. Almost no one. I tell you, folks, we're in a very, 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 very small minority. Uh, Hardly anyone believes in absolute truth. You go ask uh, people in Spooner, and many of them won't be able to give you a good answer. In this nation, 67% of adults agree that there is no such thing as absolute truth. And much worse is the fact that 52% of born-again Christians, who say they're born-again, that is, think truth is relative. Uh, That is, they believe that what is true for one person may not be true for another. According to uh, another survey, uh, over 75% of professing Christians cannot accept the idea of absolute truth. Listen, these are very sad statistics And it tells us that our culture has nothing in which they can believe. They can believe what they will, but there is is such a thing as absolute truth. Jesus himself, in this passage, stated that he came to bear witness to the truth. So what is truth? Well, the word which is translated here means that which is accurate or true in any matter under consideration. It's the opposite of that which is feigned or fake or fictitious or false. Now, I'm on. OK. everybody following me now? I get accused of not turning the things sometimes, but we won't say who accused me of that. For instance, suppose I tell you there is the truth called the law of gravity. You believe in the truth of the law of gravity? You better, especially you guys that work on rooftops. You don't believe uh, whatever goes up must come down. Suppose you were to reject that and say, well, uh, that's just your truth. So you decide to test your theory and you uh, go up to the top of the building and you say, well, I'm going to jump off. Uh, It won't take you long to learn that there is such thing as absolute truth and that it can be known. You know, when you're kids, you do some stupid stuff. We had a garage that uh, had our basketball goal attached to one end of it. The the garage uh, was a double garage, and you went in this way, but on this side was a, a basketball goal. It was kind of a flat roof, you know. Uh, it didn't have a peaked roof, so it had a kind of flat roof, but the basketball goal was up above, uh, kind of Sort of at the attached to the top of it. it was kind of a and uh, sometimes my ball would get stuck behind the basketball board, the backboard. I'd have to get up on the roof to, to, to get it. So I'd get a ladder, and I'd go up on the roof and I'd say, "You know, it's only 10 foot. I can jump 10 feet." And I would. I'd jump off instead of going down the ladder. Uh, well, I knew that the law of gravity was, <laughs> was, w- was working. I didn't go floating off into space. The law of gravity was absolute truth. Now, if I say rocks are hard, water is wet, and grass is green, right? If you don't believe that that's absolute tr- truth, you say, well, no, to me, rocks are soft. Uh, water is dry. And grass is orange well some places in the country it might be orange if it's not raining but uh you know just because you believe it with all your heart you sincerely believe that uh you know rocks are soft water's dry and grass is orange doesn't make it so because truth is something that's always true uh abraham lincoln once used a very clever ploy to teach some people about truth uh they had come to him with a decision that was based on suppositions rather than on truth And after hearing their logic, Lincoln asked, how many legs would a sheep have if you called its tail a leg? How many legs would a sheep have if you called its tail a leg? Well, they'd say, quickly, five, five. Well, the president then said, no, it would only have four legs. Just calling a tail a leg doesn't make it one. You see? and he taught them a lesson about truth. You see, I, for one, believe in absolute truth. I hope you do too tonight. I believe black is black, white is white, up is up, down is down, left is left, right is right, in is in, out is out. I believe absolute truth can be known, can be learned, can be taught to others. In fact, I'm holding in my hand a copy of absolute truth right here. Say more about that in a little bit, but if there is truth and it can be known, then how can we learn truth? Well, for those of us who are saved, it is a task made easier by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus tells us three times in John's Gospel that the Spirit of God is the spirit of truth you'll find that in John 1417, you'll find it in John 1526 and you'll find it in John 16:13. In fact, in John 16:13 it is especially important because it says this: howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he shall show you things to come. The spirit of truth. Now that verse tells us the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, will reveal things of God to us, teaching us the truth. And so believers are to are in far better position to learn truth because the spirit of truth lives within us. I think the world, on the other hand, has a spirit within them that blinds them to the truth. And sometimes people in the world just can't understand what we're doing. They can't understand what we're talking about when we talk from this book. They don't have the spirit of truth living in them. 2 Corinthians 4.4 In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man receiveth not the things that are the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And some people will even call themselves Christians, and yet they can't understand what we're talking about when we talk about the Word of God. I kind of would doubt sometimes if they really are Christians, if they don't understand God's Word. They can't understand it. They don't receive the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolishness to Him. So this accounts for the fact that they are consistently rejecting the truth and they choose lies instead. Uh, They also demonstrate why they live their lives the way they do and how they attempt to justify their sin before God and before man. Now, Jesus believed in the absolute truth. He believed in absolute truth so strongly that he came into this world, lived and died to bear witness to the truth. Yes, there is such a thing as truth, truth. And regardless of what our society says about it, this truth can be perceived and it can be known. And so we see the perception of truth. Secondly, tonight we see the power of truth, the power of truth. Again in verse 37 to this end was I born for this cause came I into the world that I may I should bear witness unto the truth everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice not only uh, does Jesus tell Pilate that there's no there that there is such a thing as absolute truth he also tells him there's truth this truth has power Truth, when it is perceived. Touches the hearts of God's people and draws uh, them to to Him. And when they come to Him and embrace the truth, they can and will experience the power of God in their lives. And you notice the power contained in absolute truth. First of all, truth has power to liberate. Go back to John chapter 8, verse 32. John chapter 8, verse 32. John 8, 32, it says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Has the power to liberate. When Jesus said this, he was telling his hearers that the truth had the power to deliver them from their bondage to sin and to the law. It would literally set them free in Jesus, and when you come to know the truth, you come to know something that sets captives free. It opens blind eyes. It heals broken hearts. It transforms shattered and ruined lives. It fills men with the love of God, the peace of God, and the joy of God. Someone might say something like this. Oh, who, who, Whoever said that truth shall make you free was a liar. I think people have said that, you know. Listen, that person doesn't know what they're talking about. The one that said that it it is the truth, and his mission was to set captives free. And I'm glad that I'm free tonight through the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Truth has the power to liberate. Liberate me from the bondage of sin and the law. Truth has the power to separate John seventeen seventeen. You just don't you don't know, have to go very back very far, but we've looked at this verse already. John seventeen seventeen, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Again, Jesus is praying for his disciples. And he's also praying for us, and as he does, he asks the Father to sanctify them through thy truth. The word sanctify means to render something holy, to dedicate or consecrate something to God. Jesus says the truth of God has the power to cleanse us, to make us more like our Heavenly Father. I've heard it said that sin will either keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin. What a truth that is. When you yield yourself to the truth of God's Word, when you walk in the Spirit, as the Spirit directs you, you'll find that life becomes cleaner and more pleasing to God. His truth sets us apart and cleans us up. Ephesians 5, 6, Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. John fifteen nineteen. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. You ever experience the world's hate? You might even experience it from some unsaved loved one. Truth has the power to separate. Thirdly, truth has the power to invigorate Back in John 4 and verse 24, remember this is the uh, account of the woman at the well. But in John chapter 4 and verse 24, it says, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Here Jesus tells the woman at the well that truth will make you want to worship. You have a hard time coming to church and worshiping? The truth, real worship, is acknowledging Him to be our everything. Real worship arises out of a heart that's saturated with His truth. Real worship comes about when the Holy Spirit takes the truth of God, makes it clear to us, and when we comprehend who Jesus is, what He's done for us, and what He is doing for us, it will leave us at His feet in a humble, simple worship of Him. But if we don't understand the truth, know the truth about him, we cannot truly worship him. There's nothing like the truth to put a fresh spark into your worship. And so that's the power of truth, the power to liberate, to separate, and to invigorate. And then thirdly, there's the personality of truth. Look at uh, chapter 18, verse 38. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. So we have learned what truth is, why it is important, and what we, it can do for our lives. Now we need to learn where to find it. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit led John to write it very plainly for us. Notice where the truth can be found. Well, I think we kind of know the answer to that, don't we? The Scripture is truth. Jesus said that in John 17 and verse 17. Uh, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Either, everything either stands or falls right there. If the Bible is inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God, as it claims in 2 Timothy 3.16, then it and it alone is the final authority and standard of living for all of life. It's not the opinions of men. It's not the musings of the great philosophers. It's not the teaching of great religious teachers. But the Bible. God's word is the final word in all matters of life. Now, if the Bible is wrong, and if the Bible cannot be believed, then our foundations are destroyed and we have no faith, no hope, no rules. If the Bible is a lie, then there is no absolute truth. Yet we have raised a generation that has been taught to doubt the truth of this book. When a child sits in a classroom and hears that the earth is billions of billions of years old, and that a man evolved from a single-celled organism over millions of years, the foundations have been destroyed. If God did not make man in His image, then it is not wrong to kill babies. That is, through abortion. It's not wrong to rape. It's not wrong to uh, murder uh, other people because we're all just animals anyway, right? If man evolved, then there is no sin. There is no right or wrong. There is no absolutes. You might as well live like you want to live because there's no hell. There's no accounting to God. There's no life after death. Uh, in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, they're not true. So you might as well just throw the whole book away. If God lied in Genesis 1 through 11, then he's not worthy to be trusted anywhere else in this book. If I can't trust him in Genesis 1, 1, then I can't trust him in John three sixteen. You know, when we take the Ten Commandments and say they're not relevant for today, we have undermined the foundations. When we tell society the Bible cannot be trusted, we undermine the foundations. When we treat the Bible like a giant buffet, and we choose, pick and choose parts we like and ignore other parts as uh, that bother us personally, then we undermine the foundations. There's a price to pay for this kind of haughtiness. And that is the price of the absence of truth in America. And I hope you see why being able to trust the Bible is so important. Because in its pages, we learn about God. We learn about the creation of man. We learn about sin. We learn about salvation. We learn about good and evil. We learn about the family. If the foundation is destroyed, then there is no basis for truth. And if there is no truth, then everybody is right and nobody's wrong. Well, thank God we can trust the Bible. It is the Word of God. It is inspired. It is truth. Without it, it's truth without any mixture of error. Uh, Praise God. It can be believed, for it is forever settled in glory. Isaiah 40 and verse 8 The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever. Psalm 119, Forever, O Lord, is thy word. Thy word is settled in heaven. The scripture is truth. The Bible, the word of God. Secondly, the Savior is truth. Of course, in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus plainly calls attention to the fact that he and he alone is the real deal. Jesus was and is the embodiment of truth. You go back to John chapter 1 and verse 14. It says there, John chapter 1, verse 14. One of these days, this Bible's going to work for me. There we go. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and what? Truth. Verse 17, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You see, all other would-be saviors are merely imposters or pretenders. It doesn't matter how many followers they have or how many people are sincere in their following of them. Jesus and Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus and Jesus alone is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus and Jesus alone is the truth. All other men are liars and all other methods are lies and they lead down the broad road of destruction. They have their uh, terminus in the fires of hell. Jesus alone is the door under the narrow way that leads to life everlasting. Our world doesn't like that truth tonight. But it's still true, regardless of whether they like it or not. I know some of you older folks might remember this, but there were years ago, there was a, called a TV show called The Dick Cabot Show. It wasn't worth watching, so if you didn't watch it, you didn't miss anything, okay? But the Archbishop of Canterbury was speaking with the actress Jane Fonda. So you can see how great of a talk show it was. And the Archbishop of, said, Jesus is the Son of God, you know. Jane Fonda replied, Well, maybe he is for you, but he is not for me. To which the Archbishop profoundly answered, well, either he is or he isn't. Now, by the way, there are those who say Jane Fonda became a Christian, but if you read what she believed, one would certainly doubt that she actually was saved. I think there's a misunderstanding that sometimes is conveyed that this woman became a Christian some years ago, and yes, she had a religious experience. Yes, she studied with some of the fundamentalists, but then she rejected it. Yes, she became deeply embedded in Gnostic thought and religious belief as well as rejecting Jesus' unique claims of deity. And so she could, have, could not have been a person who became a person who had the spirit of God and the new birth and knew what truth was. Jesus is the only way to God in heaven. There's no other way. So when you are ask, asked, what is truth? What is truth? Right here, this is truth. Your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is truth. And what matters is what you believe. Do you believe in God's written revelation in Scripture? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God's unique and only Son? He's the only way to heaven? And so Pilate asks the question, what is truth? And the irony then and now is that the world and its leadership are still strangers to truth. They swim in a sea of dishonesty and deception and deviousness. To them, there are no absolutes; everything is relative. Pilate very well may have been uh, not have been trying to be sarcastic, uh, but truth to him was relative. Truth to him was of political advantage. That which was expedient, and politicians in the world in general today have not changed. So what is truth? Well, it's the difference between night and day. Uh, It's the difference between in and out. It's the difference between black and white. It's the difference between saved and lost. What is truth? The Bible is truth. Jesus Christ is truth. And if you accept this truth in your life, you have a standard for living and a reason for life. But if you reject it as your standard, then you have no absolutes and you can do as you please. That doesn't change the fact that the Bible is still true. Jesus is still the only way to God. And so the things of God are true whether we accept them or not. Thank God for the truth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the truth.